Order my hot sauce an hour ago. It's lights out! Now you wanna get nuts? Come on! Let's get Hold on to your butts. It's good. It's hard to trace, I guess. Wait, you changed your name to McLovin? McLovin? I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of, of good or evil, right or wrong. Welcome to the party, pal! Okay, so let me tell you about this little game we play. I assume Monty went over the basic idea with you, right? You are now listening to the Magic of Movies podcast. A podcast dedicated to finding the cinematic magic within every film. You ready to play? There's $200 million in the vault beneath this trip. With a 32-hour window to get it out. Find the safe. This should be a simple in and out. It's not too late to go back. to episode one of a brand new podcast the magic of movies podcast that's right it's in the name it's in the title and we're here to find the magic the cinematic magic i should say in every film doesn't there's no timeline there's no you know order we're just looking at movies that we love and trying to figure out what exactly makes them super magical i guess invoking that feeling of what makes this what 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 in your head screams like wow this movie is legitimate magic you know, is it the cinematography, the director, performances, score, behind-the-scenes alterations? I'm not really sure, but I am your host, and my name is Philip Park, and we're here to find out today. And for our first episode, um, I th- it was almost Blade Runner, but I could I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? No, let's do a brand new movie coming out this year, 2021, and that movie is Army of the Dead. But to talk about this movie, I could not do it alone, and I am welcomed by the one and the only David Avery of The Lion Pack, also known as Ohio Dave. Also from the Four Takes show. Dude, how you doing, man? Thank you again. Thanks again for coming on and talking this movie with me. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Can't complain. How you doing? 
I can't complain. And did I get everything right? Did I, or did I mess you up? Did. Okay. You, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got. I think you got everything. The Dave, Ohio Dave, and the Lion Pack and the Four Takes. That's nice. I know. And, you know, let's do a little bit of preface for everyone who's listening. If this is your first, well, this is the first episode. So, again, thanks for tuning in, anyone who wants to tune in and listen to this episode. Um, kind of wind the clock back about a year is when me and Dave started really talking and hanging out, most predominantly on his Twitch channel. You play a lot of Twitch games. You play a lot of different stuff. You play and have an assortment of different loves and likes. Tell, tell me about yourself, man, because I know, I know you and I, we chat and all, but, like, what else do you like to do in your spare time? Uh, yeah, yeah. As you know, uh, I do love my games. Uh, I like a variety of games. Um, I'm also big in the gyms finally opened up back here. So I'm big in, I'm kind of, I'm not huge into working out, I should say, but I do like to work out, hit the gym. Um, I love movies, as you know. I mean, you know me. Um, I love music. Music is a big thing. I like uh, food. I love food, going out like different restaurants and trying different stuff. So, and you know, I love my whiskey. So, oh, you and your whiskey. That's your <laughs> I gotta have my whiskey. I gotta have my whiskey. Always for the whiskey. Always gotta have the whiskey. House catches on fire. I'm grabbing a bottle. I'm grabbing a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> so, in a zombie apocalypse, is that also the first thing you're grabbing as well? I better find some whiskey somewhere in a zombie apocalypse. I better find it somewhere. I know that. Well, I mean, if you're if you're in a zombie apocalypse, you're scavenging. If you come across a gas station or a liquor store, you kind of hope there'd be some whiskey. But watch, your luck. There just better be, be no whiskey. It'd be all every right. bit of alcohol, but no whiskey. Everything but whiskey. Completely everything but whiskey. So, before we get into Army of the Dead, do you have a favorite zombie video game or favorite type of like zombie level in a video game by chance? Because I used to play Call of Duty Black Ops, and that had arguably some of my favorite like zombie killing sprees. Um. Yes, I remember that one. That one was good. My favorite. My favorite is actually is probably. Just because of like the the visuals of the game and the story of the game, um, has got to be Last of Us, like part oh, one and two. Okay, it's got to be my favorite. Like in the way th- those are kind of like kind of like Army of the Dead and World War Z, where like the zombies aren't di- they're not your typical Walker zombies, you know? Yeah, they're the clickers or whatever they had, and they had like different levels of the zombies. Like there was like the huge fat ones and. Like, you know, the small ones everywhere, so that's probably my favorite. Okay, that's that's a good choice. Um, I'm not really big, on, this is going to sound terrible, I'm not really that mm-hmm. big of a Last of Us fan, but I do appreciate the con- the concepts that they did for zombies and things like that. I think the tickers are probably right. some of the most creepiest creatures oh, man. ever created. Yeah, it took me a while to get past that first game. <laughs> oh, I, I bowed out after leaving, like, the first couple, of, like, levels with the tickers. I was like, okay, I can't do that. I'm too freaked out, and I just can't do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, we also mentioned we are huge movie fans. I think that's a pretty huge universal love amongst a lot of us, you know, a lot of our fans, mm-hmm. a lot of mutual friends between us, but just, you know, a lot of people in general is, like, you know, going either going to the movies or having your friends over and just making some popcorn or having a couple drinks and just watching a really right. sauce film, you know? And I think, right. I, I, really, I think Army of the Dead, like, get the best of both worlds in that regard if you're, you know, fortunate enough to see the movie in the theater. I, I was. I think you saw it in the theater too, right? I did, yeah. I saw it uh, 
Thursday, the 13th, Thursday? We saw, I think we saw it the same day at the same time because we're lucky enough to be on the same time zone. So right, I, I right. Think I saw it on Thursday at 7. Yep, Thursday at 7. Yep, that's when I saw it at 7. Yep, Thursday, that's when I saw it. The 13th. And it was so weird because this was the first time in a long time where it's like, I saw a movie before a lot of other people and it's like, I have to be quiet about this. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's like, that's a, that's a bit of a first. But now, you yeah. know, as of this recording, you know, the movie's out there on Netflix for the world to see. It is just getting absolutely rave reviews and spawning a franchise almost instantaneously. There's already a couple oh, of spinoffs in the world. I'm excited. This whole Dude. universe just screams insanity. And Oh, man. I'm so ready. Bro. I'm so like, as soon as the movie was over, I'm just like, I'm ready for the next one. And you know, if they green light a sequel, I'm ready for the prequel stuff that's coming. Like, like, I hope it, I just, I hope they go crazy with it. I'm ready for it. It's amazing. It is really amazing that, that, that all that just happened off of one movie. Right. And it's from one person, of course, Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yep. You know, we were talking before we started recording that I had started, and I'm just about done with the, the making of Army of the Dead. And, you know, he was talking about how kind of Dawn of the Dead predates this movie in a lot of ways, and rightfully so. You know, that was his first film in the mm-hmm. big leagues. I, that was even before 300. Yeah, that was before 300. So, and that was, again, you know, him and James Gunn, the fast-pacing zombies. But I love about this movie is it really does, I've been saying anyway, like, this movie really does, like, redefine the zombie genre in, I think, a way that, you know, a lot of people didn't expect. Oh, 100%. I mean, the the stuff he did in this was, I, I can see how he could build a universe off of it because he didn't just do your typical walking, you know, brain-dead zombies. Like, I mean, there's like there's layers to it. There's levels to these zombies. Like, there's alphas and the workers and you know what all this other stuff and it's like how did this happen how did it start like you know why are some the way they were in the movie like some you know some weird ones that we noticed and stuff like that like it's i don't see how you could go back to making like a regular zombie movie after this like it th- get to another level absolutely i think amping up the idea of survival because you know when you just do a zombie movie it's obviously got to have a level of survival to it because there's going to be hordes of these massive crazy creatures that are snarling gonna bite you kill you whatever maybe even turn you but like this movie really does take a lot of genres and throws them in a blender of sorts and it really does and what you said you know it really does feel like a lot of layers on top of each other and they it really is like a bit of a cake a cake mm-hmm. that just you look at it you're like yeah like, I don't know how all this works, but yes, it does. And, oh, man. That's the beauty it of it. It's, it works so great. Yeah. <laughs> I think first and foremost, one thing about this about this movie in particular that's just phenomenal, and I think the first piece of the puzzle is the, the casting. And that's always, mm-hmm. always one strong suit of a Zack Snyder movie, is it has a very strong cast, led by Dave Bautista. Oh, Batista. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who did a great job acting in this, by the way. Oh. Great job. 100%. Dude, I felt like, as the movie went on, like, the relationship between him and his daughter, like, I felt for him, man. I was like, just give the guy a break. <laughs> like, give the guy a break, man. Do you have like, a favorite? Like, he did such a good job. Do you have a favorite shot from Scott Ward in this movie? Because I have mine. I know what mine is. A favorite shot? Yeah. 
Uh, like just a favorite shot in the movie? A favorite shot sequence regarding Scott Ward specifically? I know what mine is. Oh, um, yes, yes. And the are we just full talking about it? Yeah, well, whole okay. hog, full on spoiler discussion. We are here okay, to find cool. out the magic of this movie. So yes, cool. <laughs> My favorite with him has got to be when he was in the casino and like the camera's like behind his head and he's like on the ground and that zombie kind of comes over him. He's like shooting it as it's like oh. flying in the air yeah. across him. That's probably, that's got to be my favorite shot. That's a great shot. I want, I'm curious to know like how some of those shots came together. And that's what I want to know. Like I want to see what the camera was at, like with the setup and like what the camera was doing like in that shot. Cause some of those shots look crazy. I'm like, some of the shots in that movie, because especially because Zach was the DP on it, and I'm like, how did he shoot this? Like, how did he light this scene like that? Like, so you've got Zach as DP, but then you've also got Damon Caro, his stunt coordinator, coordinating all these. You know, mm-hmm. from what I understand, uh, based on the the Netflix documentaries they have, like a lot of the alpha zombies were a lot of grade a stuntmen or runners or just these really athletic folk who could just do a lot of these really crazy stunts that we saw you know in the sequence that you mentioned and it's you know i imagine it just being on that set with those two coordinating like that just that's 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 exciting that just yeah that's that's gotta be fun it's gotta be so much fun yeah (laughs) and what was yours what was your favorite my favorite shot of scott ward is it's a really human moment actually it's he wakes up from his dream or rather he doesn't even it's not even a dream but like he wakes up from um he wakes up from like that that nightmare of when mm-hmm. from when he had to unfortunately you know take his right. life from the world right and it's like right when he wakes up from that and his medal of honor falls off the nightstand and he just picks it up and looks up and it's the it's this hanging shot on dave and it's just like oh man you really feel mm-hmm. for him in that moment. I just love yeah. writing in that shot. I love his reaction because it's just, it's genuine. And if that's your point, like, I think really, like, this this is one of the first times I've seen Dave Bautista, like, really get to chew on some dialogue. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, I I see why he turned down the Drax stuff, man. I can see why, <laughs> like, if Zach plans on using him in some way, like, you know, further in his movie, or he's got, you know, Dune coming up or whatever, like... The dude can act, man. I like. I always said, like, I thought the two minutes of acting he did in like Blade Runner twenty forty nine was better. Like, like I felt his acting more there than I did like anything he did with Drax. Like he has potential to act. This I think, guy. and then this movie showed it off. I think to your point, you know, he's just got a lot of range between just the three characters, like Scott Ward and Drax the Destroyer, and like. Um... And Sapper Morton. I almost forgot that. Oh, yeah. yeah he's de- oh, yeah. He's 100% got range. And 100%. I love that he was actually given a role here for the leading man. He passed up the Suicide Squad for this. Yeah. And the only, yeah. the only character I could think of that he was either considered for or either one of two characters. And that's got to be either Blood... No, not probably not Bloodsport. I think he was probably considered for Peacemaker. If not, maybe mm-hmm. a candidate to replace Rick Flagg. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think I I could see him maybe doing like the peacemaker role. Because I mean, it went to John Cena, so. Right, right. That's kind of where my mind's at. You know, you've got one wrestler in one DC movie, you've got another wrestler in another DC movie. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, Dave Batista said he wants to be Bane. I'd wholeheartedly accept that. No question. Oh man, dude, he would kill it as Bane, especially because he wouldn't play like 
he would play the true Bane. Like Bane is actually like a genius. He'd be you know, and Chuck like Dixon's it would be Bane, dope yeah. to see him play. Yeah, it'd be dope to see him play it like that, like the true genius like type Bane. Oh, I'd love to see that. But I think also, you know, outside of Dave Batista, he does a really phenomenal job. But he's also got a really solid surrounding supporting cast with him, too. Like, that whole rest of the cast. There's a lot of talk about, you know, people say that this, like, Zack Snyder went out and made his own Suicide Squad movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think there's a, some pretty heavy truth <laughs> to that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> heavy emphasis on the part of um, most of them not making it. If not, <laughs> almost all of them. <laughs> all of them bite the dust and i was like oh, i was kind of shocked man like they all just kept dying off and i was like dang does nobody live throughout this movie and then at the end I was like, where, where does it go after this yeah yeah at the end you're like okay i kind of i mean there's a few who made it but man zach was not afraid to like ax anyone out of this movie no no he wasn't and i'm gonna run through the cast list here so dave batista is joined by Ella Purnell playing Scott Ward's daughter, Kate Ward. We've got Omar Hardwick as Vandero, my favorite character. We've got Anna de la Regura. I really hope I didn't butcher that as Maria Cruz. We've got Theo Rossi as Burt Cummings. We've got Matthias Schweighofer as Dieter. We've got Nora Arnezader. Oh, God, I feel terrible if I butcher these names. I'm sorry. <laughs> got her playing Lily the Coyote, uh, Hiroki Sonata of Mortal Kombat fame as Bly Tanaka. And then, of course, Garrett Dillahunt as Martin Tignotaro as Marianne Peters the pilot. Raul Castillo as Mikey Guzman. And then Uma Qureshi as Gita. Samantha Wynn as Chambers, probably the MVP of this movie. Oof, yeah. And then Richard Citrone as Zeus. For anyone who doesn't know, Richard Citrone was the stuntman for Ben Affleck as Batman in both Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Justice League, as well as Zack Snyder's Justice League. And he's also been stunt. He's been a stuntman in the business for a long, long time, from what mm-hmm. I recall. I've listened to him talk on a couple different podcasts. Seems like a really nice guy, too. Super nice guy. Yeah, he's been in every one of Zack's movies since Dawn That's of true. the Dead. Yep, you're right. Yeah. And then I believe the... Yeah, I think Richard Citrone. We've got Matt, Michael Cassidy as Sergeant Kelly, but I don't think we see him too much. And then, of course, the groom and bride who kick off the entire movie. We have Chelsea Edmondson who played the bride and Steve Carone who played the groom. And then the zombie queen was played by... Oh, I just saw... I just had her name in my head, and I can't find her on the cast list now. I feel bad now. God, the zombie know. queen, the alpha queen. Yeah, it's yeah. She oh, was um... Athena Parample. Yes, yeah, Athena. Yeah. So this cast was just absolutely phenomenal. Even I've seen a couple of them, and others I have not. I'm familiar with Theo Rossi from Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Yep. And That's right. He then, was in that. Holy crap. I forgot about that. Right. That's right. And Garrett Dillahunt's all over TV. I've seen him in a ton of other stuff. Um, oh, yeah. He was a sharpshooter. That's what I remember the most from is though he was a sharpshooter in uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. That's right. He's also most recently in um, Jupiter's Legacy on Netflix as well. Mm-hmm. Him and Josh Dumhell run that, or they're like the leads in that show, I believe. And this was my first movie, I think, with Tig Notaro. I might have seen her in something else, but I, if I have, I don't remember it. 
I of course. think so for me too. I think this is my first first thing I've seen her in. And this is, I think, Matthias Schweighofer's big U.S. debut because he's notably no, he's a notable filmmaker. I think in in Germany. Germany. Yeah. There we go. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as for Nora, I, again, this is the first movie I've ever seen her in. Same. Yep. And as well as Omar Hardwick, first movie ever. And I, you know, that really says a lot because he's my favorite character. <laughs> I've seen him in a couple of other stuff before. This is definitely the biggest, except from that show he was in power. But ah. as far as movie wise, this is definitely like the biggest movie he's been in. He did a fantastic job as Vanderbilt. I oh, love man. that Dude, character. Yeah. Me too. He was my favorite character too through and through everything about that character was just so well crafted and just the journey Vandero went on in that movie was just absolutely nothing short of perfect and inspiring that that I adore that character oh, yeah I, I can't wait to see more about like his backstory and like he's just like his character was so like I don't I mean, I may go out to say he must—he might be the most well-rounded character in the movie. Mm -hmm. Like he was the good, like you know, tough guy. You know, like the guy who didn't take no crap from nobody. But he was also like, you know, they showed him in the elderly home, or whatever, working with the woman. Like he's also like, kind of has a gentle side to him too. And he's super smart. He's a philosopher. Heart of gold. Yeah. Right. Right. And even like Kate Ward, Scott's daughter, played by Ella Purnell. I know, I know Ryan Rivera is going to have a. Yeah, I know he's he's really enjoyed that movie specifically because mm -hmm. of her. But most, <laughs> you know, I think she's she she has an accent, but it doesn't come through at all in this movie. I think she does. Yeah, I think she does have one. But not that I, I'm not saying that disparagingly or anything. But you know, she's just you know that's a real testament to who she is as an actress because she if she's able to you know bring out just this organic accent as come off as like Dave Bautista's job. I didn't feel like, you know, these were, yeah, obviously they're actors, you know, portraying father right. and daughter, but like watching them on screen, specifically in a Zack Snyder movies of all things, like that's the thing I think I genuinely enjoy about his movies is like, he takes the time to craft these characters and you can actually feel for them on a human level. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's one thing I think he did. He did really good was I think everyone not even like the sense of just like a good action scene but I feel like every character had a good moment that really showed you like who that character was mm -hmm. I thought he did a really good job even like um Huma or Humas or, or is that her name Huma or Humas Uma Uma Kershi Uma uh, yeah even Uma like her character she wasn't in it a ton but, like, in the very beginning, when they show her, you know, in the camp, like, you get a good sense of, like, who her character is and, like, what she's about. Well, I mean, I, I think Ryan, I saw him tweeting on a thread, and they were talking about the kind of mirrors and parallels that uh, Uma Kershi's character, Gita, plays in regards to Kate, Kate Ward. You know, Gita kind of represents mm -hmm. the mother that, the, mo the mother that, that Kate couldn't save. Well, that yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. And again, that just kind of goes hand in hand with the kind of filmmaking Zack Snyder does. He's just always all about parallels in his storytelling, no matter what. And it yeah, always, always is just yeah. blows me away every time I see another one. It's so crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, always about 
<laughs> yeah, Zach is always about like double meaning and like layers. His movies are, I don't think, ever just like a straight movie. Like it's always about something. Like there's always some type of parallel or something in it. There's always the thing that Zach's movies do is they just make you think. You know, that mm -hmm. it's, it's not they're not movies that you're meant to you know turn your brain off and eat popcorn. It's like I actually enjoy that he makes me think about things that transpire in his movies and the fact that he takes into con context like consequences people find that polarizing mm -hmm. and it's like well that's fine but like you know there's truth to it there, there's truth in the polarization in regards to like how he approached this movie specifically like what if a zombie apocalypse happened in las vegas and it was in regards to the government's own ignorance of trying to house a potential ufo zombie and they happen to just be in the line of sight of two drunk wet newlyweds and you know right all hell breaks loose it's 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 a it's yep. a one in a million shot of things happening but even still it's it's a, it's those what if and like how do you do that and I, and i think fatma she brought up another point about like on twitter about how las vegas is essentially turned into like this little petri dish oh yeah yeah for sure, I, I completely agree. I think even Zach was saying that last night on the Vodka stream. He was talking about, you know, how I think I need to rewatch it because he said there's two buildings labeled it, but it's like the modern day kind of like Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. He even has two buildings in the in Vegas, like you can see it in the movie, labeled like Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> Vegas is like that. Vegas is kind of its own world, like inside of America. It really is. I've never been there personally, but uh, it definitely. I haven't either. Like it. Yeah. I feel like after seeing this movie, I feel a little more compelled to go see it. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I kind of want to go there now and see it and just be like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I see what he was doing. I see why he chose this place for like a zombie outbreak. Well, it makes sense because he mentioned it was like a giant haunted house, and then you take into account like a full five mile strip of all these big, giant, grandiose architectural big pieces of buildings that you know house and infrastructure and they've been there for you know 40 50 years considering how right i don't know that personally i'm maybe talking out of my ass there a little bit but you know <laughs> architecture is has always been a, a pivotal point of, of who we are as humans and like i don't think there's any more recognizable architecture than you know the vegas strip savor a couple other monuments throughout you know the united states and any other country but like the vegas strip specifically yeah it really is like a really big playground but also if you think like you know what happens to vegas in a zombie apocalypse yeah um, turn it into a turn it into their own like little kingdom oh 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 man Dude, yeah it's like yeah it's an interesting thought like um who was it that said is that what they said in the movie right like this is their kingdom like yeah so they're not trying to yeah yeah it makes perfect sense makes perfect sense what i actually love about that in the, in the beginning of the movie is like lily the coyote played by nora she like i love that that's a double there's a double thing going on there because you've got her explaining how these zombies work but it's also like you know getting comeuppance for you know cummings character played by rossi because he's just an absolute mm -hmm. shitbag throughout the you know for good first 30 minutes of this movie right and like yeah his his character i don't did you go in knowing his did you know his character was going to be like that like I, when you uh, went uh, into the movie not not a clue his character caught me completely off guard in the beginning of the movie when he showed up i had no idea that's what his character was going to be like 
I think when that when he displayed that level of like animosity and like you know just downright dirtbaggishness towards Kate right. and Gita, I was mm-hmm. brought back to you know his shades days uh, on Luke Cage and how he came back at the end. I think season one and mm-hmm. just like killed someone point blank. I was like, yeah, that's that's he fits that kind of persona yeah, yeah. well, you know. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. No, he did a good job playing that role. I just remember watching it and I saw him talking. You know, to the two the two ladies in the beginning, I was just like, "Oh, okay, he's that guy." Yep. Like, <laughs> he's that guy in the movie. The guy like we want to see like take a bullet in the movie. And sure enough, it's like, it's it, that's exactly what happens. You know, he winds up taking a bullet to the leg and just kidding. Right. Take, oh man. <laughs> so, how did you feel about Scott getting this offer and like the, how the movie opens up with it basically like kind of being a mini movie of sorts and showcasing how the zombie outbreak happens in Vegas and like how all these people are kind of they come together because of a past event but this past event has you know done so much damage in just a small amount of time how'd you feel about the opening of the movie oh dude I I, I thought it was amazing I thought it was great um I I mean that's what Zach does. Like I mean he he's all about like great openings in a movie, like telling a mini story, like you know within a story. Kind of like there's a lot told in that beginning of the movie, like them going around saving people and like everything they did and stuff like that. So I thought it was great, man. I can't wait to see more. I think if I remember right, that he said it was going to kind of explore that time. I think when they were going around saving people, and then Danny's character Vegas, and right. the, the animated yeah. thing, Jade Oliver's, I think, right. going on. Right, right. That'd be that's gonna be real. Yeah, because I think Joe Manganiello is supposed to be voicing a character in that too. Yep, yep, he is. Yeah, the cast for that. Oh man, the cast for Las Vegas is stacked too. I can't wait. I'm gonna have to look that up when we're done recording. But yeah, so the the. The expansions include Army of Thieves. That's directed by Matthias Schwaghoffer, who plays Dieter in this movie. And that's the prequel, and that showcases how Dieter comes across into, like, this. How he comes across this job, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then we've got Lost Vegas, which is, as you mentioned, the story of, like, how things happened. Right. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, Lost Vegas... Yeah, the yeah, the so the German one that uh, Matthias made. Yeah, I think that's. I feel like there's not going to be a lot of zombies in that one because it's more just about him, about like and how him. I guess like cracking saves and. I think that's exactly stuff like what it that. is. It's a straight up yeah. movie. Right, right, right. And then yeah, Las Vegas is. I'm super hyped for Las Vegas because I'm dying to see what this looks like in animation, especially since it's going to be like. Kind of like, you know, game, like cinematic game style animation. I'm so hyped to see that. Yeah, I'm curious to see what animation they do in regards to that and what kind of style it turns into being. Right. Probably nothing short of impeccable. I mean, it's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's the one thing Zach said he liked about the animation was like, you don't really have to worry about a budget if you want to create like a huge like cinematic scene. Like, if you want to create a space thing, you can make it as epic and as big as you want. It doesn't really affect the budget for it. That's true. I didn't even take that into account. I wonder also, like, what kind of um, color scheme and, like, you know, just Mm -hmm. overall, like, animation look they're going to go for, too. 
Right. Same. Same. Because, you know, Netflix is doing a lot of, like, anime-based animation more often yeah. than not. And I'm curious to mm -hmm. see if it'll be like that. Yeah, that's what uh, the company that did it, like, they have, like, a real... They do a lot of... Uh, oh, man, I have to, I'll have to find the tweet for it. But they did a lot of, like, game hmm. animation and stuff. I'll have to send it to you sometime. But, dude, their stuff is, like, like top-notch. Like, top-notch. Like, the people in it look so real, like... Seeing Dave Patisse's character and Amari and Joe Maganello and all these people like as animated, I think it's gonna look crazy. Oh, it's gonna wow. look crazy real, crazy real. That's gonna be that's gonna be insane. You know, also it's really funny. Yeah. I was thinking about this movie after watching this movie, and I thought to myself, like, you know, Zack Snyder wants to do like a, a, a full on Dark Knight Returns movie, right? And I'm like, mm -hmm. Dave Batista's got that build. Oh, right. He could right. do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He could 100% do it. 100% do it. Be old man Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah. 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 Play that grizzly, like, end of the road Batman. Like, he could do it. I'd love to see that. Yeah. I'd absolutely love to see that. You know, speaking, of, speaking of Zach, you know, he's got so much credit on this movie as, as not only director, but he's also director of photography. And he also wrote the story from a screenplay with Joby Harold and Shea Hatton. That is. I think the first time in a while I've seen a director be that encompassed in, in their production. Right. Their production. Oh yeah. Especially on a movie of this scale. Like the only thing he didn't do was like have a lead acting role in it, but yeah, director, writer, producer, like cinematographer, like that's, that's like the only time I'm sure it's been done plenty of times before, but the one that sticks out to me the most of someone doing that is um like the godfather because mm. i know he wrote that he produced it he he was a cinematographer on it and he directed it coppola francis ford coppola i do believe yeah right right it's not very often that you see a lot of directors get to get that much control over a project and nine times mm -hmm. out of ten when it does happen you usually get something really solid out of it right it's funny you know you just mentioned the godfather i haven't seen the the recent recut of the third flick the the coda one that I ha I haven't seen that I yet. haven't either I haven't either kind of curious about it I'm kind of curious to see what what it changes about it but apparently it moves some stuff around and the ending's a little different from what I understand and have heard through various podcasts but... kind of yeah I'm, I might have to check it out just out of, like out of curiosity now <laughs> and see what it's like see what they changed about it right I'm little curious myself i might have to just binge all that trilogy one day yeah yeah oh man i love those movies so much i can't wait to binge this universe when all the oh, things is out and lost yes. oh yeah i can't i can't wait sequels i hope he's got i hope he does like a bunch more stuff for it hope they just go all in for it which i think they will i think netflix will i think they'll go all in for it just because it's i mean it's already a huge hit just this movie and i feel like zach has a lot of stuff planned for it like where it could go and it's fresh like it's new you know you're absolutely right it's absolutely new and you know it's funny you mentioned sequels because the way you get sequels is again you know to zach snyder's credit as a filmmaker how do you make sequels you ask questions in your movie how do you ask questions well you set things up how do you set things up in the very beginning of the movie there's two ufos that just go yep <laughs> right in the beginning of the movie. Not it's even... already like, yeah, okay, so we're going there. That's 
So that threw me, and, it, and this it does not get answered, addressed any way, shape, or form. You just know that they leave Area 51, and, and all that kind of implies is like, oh, so the government has talked to aliens. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And it's also like, I mean, that that just shows you how huge this world is he's creating. It's like, okay, so we saw two UFOs. So where did they come from? Are they alien race of people? Like... Are we going to go into space and like on their planet and see where they're at? Like, I mean, I feel like this could go like a lot of ways. This universe is this zombie from space. Was right, from right. Space. Like <laughs> that whole, the, the, you know, the intro before the intro of the movie, like that, all that was just bonkers. And it was also kind of funny to see Jimmy Olsen die again, but then come back or in the desert, <laughs> die again in the desert. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Excuse me, but he didn't go out the same way though. Not totally. No. Right. A little bit different this time. So the alpha zombies, specifically Citroen Zeus, like that his origin was wild. And you know me, I yeah. I love saying that because when I mm-hmm. when when I see something wild, just wild. Anyway, right. <laughs> The way that origin pans out, the way that, you know, the door kind of gets, you know, the explosion of the cars and then the the box itself kind of tumbles and turns and then the door falls off the hinges and then you just see him, like, step out. And it's like, ooh. Mm." Dude, it's such such a dope entrance, man. Such a dope entrance, like, oh, man, it's just so good. Like, the tension in that scene was so good. I think if you're going to do something different with zombies and show how different they are right off the back, that was probably the best way to do it. And I think it's right there in the beginning that shows us where the ending could go because now I'm thinking about it. In the beginning of the movie, he rips off dude's jaw, but that person turns, right? Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, you know, spoilers, we're jumping right to the end here, but like at the end of the movie, after everything's all said and done and Las Vegas has been nuked, we find out Vandero gets out of this vault somehow, mm-hmm. and he gets on a, a private jet, toasts with two uh, airline. Oh, man, I always forget what are they? They're like um, flight attendants. There was an HBO yeah, series yeah, called right. Flight About Flight Attendants. Anyway, he toasts these flight attendants, and then goes in the bathroom, and it shows a bite mark on his arm. And I'm like, yeah, but you weren't bit though. You were only scratched. Right. Yeah. But now that I'm thinking about the intro of the movie. If he doesn't even need to bite them to turn them, huh? Yeah, that's that's what's interesting. Like, I have I have a couple of theories about that, like that ending. So one is, I don't know if like my first thought was, well, not my first thought. After I thought about it for a little bit, but like, I wonder if he's like the cure, like if he has like a cure for it, like in his like if he's special or something like that, because. They kind of established in the movie, like, once you get bit or whatever, like, you turn pretty quick. Right. Like, and he obviously was in that safe or the vault or whatever for, like, I don't know, a day. And then he came out. He had to walk all the way back to his place, you know, like, and then he went and got on the plane. Like, it was at least a day or two before he even realized he was bit. And he never turned in that whole time. So I don't know if it's either... Like, something unique is going on with him, or maybe he'll be, like, a hybrid, like, kind of alpha zombie thing, maybe. Maybe he'll be able to 
like control it more than like you know Zeus was able to or something. I don't know. Something special is going on with him though. I don't think he's gonna die. I feel like he's not gonna die. I don't think he's gonna die either. But I definitely feel like whatever happens with him is gonna be a result of what potentially might happen with the next movie. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That's my guess. But yeah, I don't know. I actually also think this movie was just really well constructed in the way that you know it was it was done you know you have our las vegas consumed by not only just like low-level zombies but these alpha wolf pack zombies that are just rabid insane they're organized they can actually like maneuver fight and even there's even some robots that's right <laughs> right when guzman, yeah, well, yeah i saw those <laughs> when when guzman killed the one in the casino i was like what the f <laughs> what <laughs> I could, yeah, I was like, uh, is that a cyborg robot zombie? Like, what? Exactly. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah, that's got to be, I mean, that's got to be, I don't know. I would imagine, I there's a couple agree. things. It's either alien involved, like, you know, like they put, I don't know, maybe they put fake zombies in there, like cyborg robot ones or whatever, or no. Well, I was thinking maybe like, because when that baby was born, Zeus's baby that died, he was blue. You know, he had that blue stuff glowing, but I think Zach said on the Falcon stream last night that only Zeus and the Queen could have babies. Like, the other ones couldn't have them. So I don't think they were just, like, reproducing babies. A bunch of zombie babies a bunch, but... Right. I don't know. I mean, that blue... There's obviously something going on with, like, the, the, the blue energy that goes on between Zeus, the, the little unborn infant, and the queen. Like, only... I would mm -hmm. imagine that Zeus turned her. She was probably the first woman that he bit, which is probably why mm -hmm. she's the alpha queen. And then, right. obviously, there was some kind of coitus that happened between the zombies, and they, you know, were able to successfully reproduce. But, you know, come to, you know, by the climax of the movie... God, I'm choosing my words very poorly here. You know, <laughs> Garrett Dillahunt's character just straight beheads the queen. That right. I did. That I did not expect at all. Nope, nope. <laughs> and you know, he tears the head off, and like you know, Zeus finds his his zombie Brian, and then takes the the baby out of her stomach. It's like, whoa! <laughs> it's so intense, man. So intense. Yeah, I think. Which speaking of that, um. I wanted to ask you, so what do you think about Coyote, Nora, Nora's character, when she got the spear thrown through her or whatever and got pinned up? Like, do you think she's dead or do you think he made her the new, like, bitter and made her the new queen? Because we don't actually see her die. No, but she was on that, she was probably somewhere in the in the surrounding area when the nuclear bomb went off. So True, yeah, I, that's I, true. I, I imagine she's probably dead, but to your point, I think Zeus probably did bite her. I don't think she went mm -hmm. out with just that that uh, metal rod sticking out of her shoulder. Right, right. But I, I do think that she probably got bit. That's what I was thinking, because I was like, I bet he bit her and, like, once, like, sees her as an opportunity for, like, a new child. Like, a new zombie child. I feel like any woman that Zeus ran into after that point, he'd probably consider making a new, you know, right. beta queen. <laughs> I don't know. Right. <laughs> But you know, I, I you know what I didn't notice the first time in the theater. I knew I, I did not notice that at the end of the movie that uh, Peters, Marianne Peters, played by Tig Notaro, I didn't notice 
the helicopter blade sticking out of her chest. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I thought. Straight through her. Yeah, I thought at the end of the movie she's just kind of sitting there, maybe unconscious, or you know, the the knock just like snapped her neck or something. I did not at all notice the helicopter blades just sticking out of her. Right. Of her, of her. I was like, whoa. Right. <laughs> I think I think Garza was the one who pointed that out on stream last night. I don't know, but that, I saw that the second time where I was like, ooh, ooh, that's that's a way to go, but... Right. <laughs> you know, speaking of Tig Notaro, I've seen people talk about only being, like, maybe even seeing one or maybe even a handful of scenes of where it's noticeable. I noticed it one time, but outside of that, and it was on the second time that I even noticed it, too. If you watch this movie on a big screen, you don't notice that. you. It would never even occur to you that Tig Notaro was part of the reshoots. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, there there was one scene where I could, where I noticed it. But aside from that, I mean, like her being in the movie was flawless. I mean, like this the the scene where they're in the tunnel, and it's like all of them there, and she's talking like having that back and forth with Dave Bautista is like that scene blew my mind because I was like, how is she? How did he put her in this movie? Like it doesn't make sense. Like. The way Dave Bautista was, like, looking at her, like, I wonder if he casted her because she must have been the same height as Chris because, like, his eyes were looking at her, like, yeah, height-wise, you know what I mean? Like, everything about it was just, like, flawless. Seamless. The way she was put in there. Oh, it was absolutely seamless. I, I think about that and, like, you know, even their first exchange when he he's reintroduced to Peters, him and Cruz, like, they go meet her, and she's just so confident, like, you know, my life sucks. You're paying me $2 right. million dollars to just do, drive your helicopter? Fucking, I'll right. do it, right? <laughs> so it's Yeah, like, and, then the, and then when she's, like, walking backwards in that scene and the two soldiers walk behind her, I'm like, this looks like, it looks like he shot it like this, like, originally. You never, again, you'd never tell that there were any reshoots whatsoever. Yeah. The general audience, yeah, there's no way they'll tell. Like, I mean, we kind of know because we know about it. And, like, when you know about it, you're kind of looking for it. Right. But the general audience, there's no way and the, anyone in the general audience is going to tell. I think the one time I noticed, I, like, genuinely noticed that, that there was an insertion, right? Like, the one time, the one sequence I really think I saw it, it's right in the beginning it's a, it's like right before the zombie tiger comes out and it's Tig mm -hmm. she jumps down right behind Dieter and mm -hmm. i think they, it's just like a very quick shot but it's it's like it's like cyborg at the end of Zack Snyder's Justice League quick blink and you'll miss it it's noticeable but it doesn't really mean right. it you know it's that right right yeah yeah for me it was like right when they came out the crate and she was kind of like standing on the bodies oh, yep. or whatever, yep. the yep. dead that, bodies. Yeah, like yeah. right there, that's yes. where I noticed it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, it was like. It was seamless. Yeah. That stuff, I was just like, where they're standing in the crate and they all got their guns pointed at the door. I'm like, how is she there? Like, how is she there, like standing with everyone right now? Like, it's it's crazy. Well, you know how. Affleck and Leto were not present the days that they shot the ending sequence for Zack Snyder's Justice League, but it feels like mm -hmm. they were literally right there. Right, right. It, yep. It, it's like that again, but I think that also helps because of the, the dream lenses that he used specifically for this film. And the yeah, way I feel it, like that helped a lot. Yeah. Because the way they work is like it puts one character in focus and takes another one out of focus, and it kind of goes back and forth between the two. So when you have... 
you know, say someone who was, you know, you have a full cast that was there on initial shoot, but then you've got the one person who was there a part of the reshoots, and then you've got, you know, the use of a dream lens, and it's going back and forth, adjusting the, you know, the, um, what's the right word here, adjusting the perspective that's the best word i can come up right. with adjusting right. perspective going back and forth between you know focus focusing the perspective mm-hmm. on let's say scott ward and back to take neuro it's like back and forth. Right. just i think that's really why it works so well is because of the dream lens which was smart yeah. on zach's part as a filmmaker right right which made that dream lens by the way which made this movie look incredible i thought i loved i loved everything about that dream lens Oh, that this dream lens amplifies the experience of this movie even more so in a theater, and that's not a knock to anyone who has to, who has would rather watch it at home. Like it's just like, right, you know, the movie works both ways. Right, right, yeah. It was like the scenes of like just like kind of like the blur to focus on like just a person's face. Like it looks so good, it looks so good. I actually noticed um, in the marketing, you know, in the trailer the shot of the the alpha queen coming up like she walks mm-hmm. up and then scott pulls his gun up in the movie mm-hmm. it's actually reversed because she's stepping away with cummings character and he's putting his gun back down yeah 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 there was definitely some i noticed that too like there was some trickery mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that trailer for sure it was good though i liked it that was a good scene, by the way. That was where they first meet the queen, oh, and like man. they they uh, Ross's character, they use him as bait. I was like, as soon as I saw that scene, I was like, okay, like I knew this wasn't going to be a normal zombie movie, but as soon as I saw that scene, I was like, yeah, this is this is different. Like the zombies are like communicating with them, or like you know, if you give us like a gift, we'll let you trespass, like just on the outskirt outskirts of like our place or whatever. I was like, man, this is wild. <laughs> You know, that's also one thing that I think is tough for people to crack on, like, a, you know, a scripting perspective, because how do you make zombies who are more often than not portrayed and scripted as characters and things that just are mindless killing machines? Well, when you take a, like a supernatural element and apply it to these to these, you know, undead, it just mm-hmm. adds like, you know, and then you make them you know more organized and make the vein of like a wolf pack or something like that or even like a lion pack say you know you've got like an even more lethal Mm -hmm. you know entity to take on and that makes your survival all that much more crucial right right yeah yeah it was uh it was it was well done the way him and I think Shay was a person who wrote the script with Zach. Like, the way they did it, man, it was genius. I love that the alphas were also, you know, they're smarter, they're faster, they're organized. I love that line, but I love that it's more reinforced by Zeus because Zeus really is, like, the the, the head honcho alpha. He goes even so far as to, like, craft a helmet that he knows. Like, he he's so advanced mm-hmm. to the point... Like, it's not so much as, like, he's, like, the Hulk in a sense, but, like, he's, you know, Dave Bautista and a couple other people in the cast and crew were talking about how, like, the the alpha zombies were more superhuman and very, you know, they were almost like superheroes in a sense. Just right. ironic, considering who, right. who's, in the, who's been loved <laughs> to make up and shit, so it's right, still, right. still hella cool. But, like, 
thinking about the character from that perspective and even the journey that like the character of Zeus goes on like he goes and infects Olympus and you're not Olympus sorry he goes and infects Las Vegas but then he looks up and sees like Zeus and that's his inspiration like he forms like an identity in that moment and all this time like he as a zombie is you know becoming a king and having a you know a whole kingdom of these alphas and shamblers that right. under him right like he's right. you know a adapting in a sense which i don't think i've ever seen in a zombie movie you know how do you give mindless creatures a personality well that's the thing you don't give them a personality you make them primal Mm-hmm. yep yeah yeah no that's uh i agree that's one thing zach is good at in his movies in general is like kind of giving like giving you the bad guy's perspective in a sense and like that's a, he did a great job in this one, like with the zombies. Like you kind of he made you kind of understand them, like how they work, how they tick. You know what makes them do what they do. Like they're not just mindless ones. Like they have a they have a system and everything that right. they run off of. I'm curious to how how does he go about choosing who becomes alphas and who just gets shambled. I was curious about that too. Is was so was it him? The alpha himself that bit Theo Rossi? Yeah. Yeah, he bites him yeah, on yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was curious about that. Like, like what makes him choose? Like, like why did he choose to bite Theo Rossi? So he bites him on the arm and then, like, throws him in a pit and then he gets tossed and never seen again until the end of the movie, which right. I feel was even more perfect comeuppance for him. First he gets shot in the leg and just, like, kicked to shit by the kind of right. lily and then of course <laughs> you know he tries to you know get kate again but this time as like a full-fledged like alpha zombie and you know kate just gives it to him. right <laughs> so good so good so outside of i know you said vanero was your favorite character do you have any other favorite mm-hmm. character or characters in this movie um yeah i liked vanero and probably i definitely like dave batista's character um I mean, even though she died, Samantha Wayne's character, man, just Chambers, like, yeah. oh my god, like you talk about, like that that girl is ready for a lead role or like a co lead role in a movie, man. Like she's ready. Like the way, like I've said this before, like the way she does action, like there there's certain people who like when they do action in the movie, they look natural, like when they do it, like they don't look. Like, they're trying to force it, or they're trying to remember a move, or, Mm -hmm. like, they don't look awkward, you know, like, throwing a punch or something, and she's that. Like, she looks so natural when she does action. Like, that kitchen scene she did was just, like, phenomenal. Yeah, she is a pretty... Wow, she she does have a lot of stunt work under her belt, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that, that probably helps quite a bit. Yeah, oh, yeah. I just, I'm trying to see how tall she is because I think, actually, I personally think she'd be a pretty great big Barda, but I don't know how tall she is. I think she's, let me see. Oh, she's five foot five. Darn. She's five five? Really? She She looks taller. I know. She looks a lot taller. (laughs) But she's got like this perfect warrior attitude that I think would just be stellar for big Barda. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, I you're right. Doing I like that she and Chambers. You know, you could easily write off 
like Guzman as like the the internet troll, but that dude actually had honor, and I love that. Yeah, same. Yeah, I like this character a lot too. Guzman was cool, especially the way he goes out too. Like he he sees his bite, he's covered in cash, and he's like, you know what? I came here for the money anyway. This dude's trying to save his daughter. To hell with it. I'm gonna right. help him out. Like that was right. that was rad. <laughs> that was just all. Just this movie, man. This movie just got me thinking about zombie movies in a way I hadn't thought about in a long, long time. Oh, dude. I couldn't, like, I woke up the next day after seeing it, and, like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, man, I can't stop thinking about that movie. Just, like, especially, like, where it can go. I'm like, man, I need... <laughs> just announce the sequel already. Because <laughs> I need to know. I, I, like, I know it's coming, but I need to see it. Like, I need to know, <laughs> like, that more of this universe is coming. I think some of my favorite characters, obviously Scott Ward, yeah, but I did love mm-hmm. Cruz. Chambers was also yeah. up there too. Guzman, like I mentioned, and God damn it, Garrett Dillahunt, like his his Martin character, like such a. Mm-hmm. Like, I like it when slime balls are slime balls, but only if their their intentions are truly slimy. And his intentions right. were slimiest in all of the slimiest ways. Right. Yep. Big time. Like he, he was actually there. And yeah, it's funny enough. Chambers is the one who kind of picked up on that from the beginning. But yeah, he was yeah. Just there to take the queen's head. Like, like screw the money. Like, we, like we don't care about the money. We just like I just came here for the queen's head. Like, which again, you know, that's that's another question. Like, well, if they're not, if they don't give a damn about the money. What does the government want to do with all these with, with the zombie head? Like, what what is exactly what, what are their intentions, right? And the, right. And I'm thinking about Bly Tanaka, Hiroki Hiroki Sonata's character, and I'm like, well, he's definitely coming back if there's a sequel. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Question is, is like though, since Vegas is gone, what does where what does happen in the sequel? Where does the sequel go? What do you call that sequel? If it's in Mexico City, mm-hmm. I thought yep. like maybe. Continent of the Dead, Land of the Dead. I, I don't know. Right. Oh man, I can't. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. So you're, many ways it could go. You're right. Like I was right there with you too. Like after I watched it and walked out of the theater, I was talking with a couple other people who were, you know, mutual Zack Snyder fans, and even mm-hmm. on the pirate ship for Dave Pena's vodka stream. And um, I was like, I was just blown away because this movie's just incredible on almost every single level. And even watching it again this morning like picking up on the stuff that i didn't pick up on just man i want more really want more. yeah same same he set it up so good for like what we were talking before like you know what's going to happen with a mars character or you know tanaka in the next one or like will it like is it eventually going to go to space like no we're going to see well, like why these because obviously aliens are involved but like why like why are they why are they turning people into zombies? Like, what's the logic behind that? Right. You know, the aliens look like zombies. Like, you know, what do they even Ooh. look like? You know? What if they're from the moon? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know who I want to see come back and like, you know, take over the Scott Ward role? Who's that? Ella Purnell. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She's got to. I mean, she's got to have a. She's got to have a major role. Hundred percent. Because like. Right these creatures took everything from her. So Mm -hmm. if there's a respawn of these creatures, who better than to take them out than the one who survived the initial encounter? Right, right. But, you know, 
I don't know. We don't know if there's a sequel happening. I mean, it's Netflix. They're pretty good on green lighting content if it's popular enough. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I hope. I would imagine we're gonna hear something soon. I think. I would. I think. I feel like hope Netflix, so. I I think Netflix is like all in on it. Well, I mean, they've already said yes to Army of Thieves and Lost Vegas. So exactly. Exactly. And I th- I think this would actually be Netflix's like first like big multi different platform not platform but different medium franchise. Yeah, I think so. I don't think they've done something like this before. I don't think they have either, unless I'm wrong, but I don't think they have. But I've actually been thinking about this specifically, like this in particular being like how Army of the Dead came to be and like how, you know, as a filmmaker you've got Zack Snyder and all the, the the trials and tribulations he went through, you know, before with Dawn of the Dead and 300 and like Al's Ghoul and Sucker Punch and Man of Steel and Watchmen and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then how all of that and how movie making as a, as a world and as a business has changed even in the last 15 years. And then applying all of what has worked and what has not worked and then seeing like, what do people want today? Well, they want a universe. Well, what hasn't really been touched upon? What hasn't really been re configured or what hasn't really been you know peeled back and identified and i think Zack snyder really took the zombie genre and made it you know in in the same way that when the walking dead premiered on amc almost 11 years ago and like kind of reignited Mm -hmm. the love for the dead in general i think the i think army of the dead takes that torch and makes the flame a bit bigger yeah same yeah i would agree I would agree. I think, I think a lot of people not necessarily going to follow it directly suit of what they did, but I think you're going to see a lot more if we continue zombie shows and movies that are coming out. Like they're going to be thinking outside the box, yeah. kind of like this one did. Kind of like almost like I mean, he kind of did the same thing with superhero movies. Like you look at superhero yeah. movies before, like Watchmen and BVS and stuff like that. Like it wasn't really the cool thing to do the to make a superhero think in a movie like right you know the the consequences of being a superhero almost like what's it really like and now that's like the wave <sighs> like the boys uh, you know Amazon's, that new animated yeah. show yeah, yeah like invincible that's yeah. like the wave now everyone is doing it now like everyone is doing the whole you know consequences of being a superhero thing now i mean I really like the show, but you're absolutely right in that in the regard of people and superheroes showing consequences. Look, look at Falcon and Winter Soldier and what happened with John Walker. Right. You know, like you're right, exactly, con- exactly. Those consequences, and it's like shit, mm-hmm. man. You're right. Like it's it's so funny that he get he got criticized for that for so long, and now that's the mm-hmm. thing to do. Now everyone is doing it. Yeah. Now everyone is doing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You know, it's funny. I can actually remember the first time I saw Zack Snyder's name and watched a Zack Snyder movie. And it was Watchmen, and and thinking to myself, just wow, this this was an experience unlike any I have ever seen. Because this is in a genre of movies that I genuinely enjoy, superheroes. It's something that I had not seen before. It's you know from a source material that I'd never heard of, and it introduced me and widened me to that to that world and made me think you know what kind of consequences do come 
when you put on a cape and cow or when you decide to do things like that or what kind of consequences mm-hmm. come when you step into the foot of like a quarantine zombie area filled with these hyper insane supernatural zombies that can kill you probably faster than you can pull a trigger right right yeah yeah it's a good uh yeah, I like those questions in it, whether it's, you know, something like this, zombie movie or a superhero movie. Like, I like those questions about it. That's the thing I like about Zack's movies. I think, I think the first one I... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think you and I just really like filmmakers who try and ask questions with their films. You exactly. Know? Exactly. Like, make you think. Like, I like movies that make me think. Mm-hmm. Like, that surprised me. I'm like, oh, wow, I did, I, that's a good point. That's making me think about that now. You know, it's just recently is when I started watching your guys's four takes show and you guys i love the different four takes that you guys have and it's not even like a specific line of movies it's just you guys did for the first that i recall watching was um planet of the apes and then batman versus Mm -hmm. superman and then there was also i think remember the titans you guys did too right uh no, no we did yeah we did the apes movies bvs and we did the king that's right it was king the is, king yeah because the king yeah i remember the titans we did you did as a watch for the channel I yeah i did so. that yeah right that's right. right but yeah you know like that you guys talk all the time about you know what these movies make you th- you know how these movies make you think right and like How's that, you know, specifically in this movie, you know, you've got Zach, who's as a filmmaker, he's more often than not, he spends a lot of time deconstructing them and then putting it back together in a different way. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, he's all about that. I mean, like, I mean, we know Zach, he's all about that hero's journey, which it's, yeah, <laughs> which is weirdly like, like, I don't know why that really bothers people or triggers people so much a hero's journey like i don't understand what's wrong with seeing like superman go on a hero's journey like to me when i see someone on a hero's journey that makes me once they get to that point it makes you appreciate it more because you you were with them through the whole ride of it doesn't mean they were ever like uncompromising in themselves Mm -hmm. like i mean superman never superman never hated being superman you know what i mean like he never he he never did anything morally wrong. Like he just he had to he had to go through some stuff to get to that point. And like you know if if we ever get to that point, you know where we see Justice League two or three in that point, like I think people will appreciate it a lot more because we were with him through the whole point. Like we saw him go through all the struggles to get to that point. You know, it's funny, Dave. I used to be one of those. I used to be one of those guys who was who used to be like, oh, if it's not like you know how it's supposed to be, quote in the comics, unquote, mm-hmm. then it's right. then it shouldn't matter. You know, you're not making the movie right way, and it's like you know what, that way of thinking is just so far beyond me now. I couldn't right. ever imagine going back to it because, and I have Zack Snyder to thank for that because when it comes to storytelling specifically, and if you're a writer or if you're a director, mm-hmm. or if you're an artist in any way. Right. Creative integrity is, is of the utmost importance, and I think that that is probably your most important tool outside of even your own point of view. And mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, preferences, I think it really is important to have those kind of strong questions and compasses and morals when it comes to making your stories. And I think that's even more true with The Hero's Journey in regards to Scott Ward, in regards to this movie, because he at first, yep. it's about, you know, 
trying to get out and make his life, you know, better than what it was. And then it ultimately becomes about making the life for his daughter better than his. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I love it, man. I like stuff like that with Scott's character. Like, I mean, I love stuff like that. But even I love to stuff your point, like that. even to your point about the hero's journey with Superman, I wouldn't mm -hmm. think that you know there wasn't a point that he he hated being Superman, but there was a point where yeah. he did lose faith in himself. But how often does that happen to us? You know, exactly. It's exactly. a relatable thing, and exactly. You know. I think that's just the unfortunate thing when you get when you get like hardcore nerds and say, "Oh, Superman would never do that." And it's like, well, you know, yeah, right. Okay, Superman sure. would never. He always loves being Superman. Like he wakes up every day and smiles. It's like that. That's just not true. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. It's not. It's not, man. It's like that. When I see stuff like that, it's like that makes me realize how much Zach cares about the character. Right. Like not just not just putting it out there as fan service or whatever, like Zach, Zach goes into a movie like Man of Steel or BVS and he says, you know, how does this make Clark feel like in the movie? Like how would he feel about people questioning his judgment or even though he's just doing the right thing, he's got all these people coming at him. Like, like of course as like the hardcore comic book nerds are going to be like, Oh, he doesn't care. Like, well, you don't actually care about the character then, because like he's got he has feelings. Like, of course he's gonna care about it. Like, we, and there's nothing wrong with saying like, how does he feel about this? If you don't want to care, if you don't want to hear how he feels about it, then you don't care about the character. You just care about how the character makes you feel. Right. Exactly. And when Batman vs Superman came out, and there's a complete 180 with how Batman's been done on screen. Well, not really a complete 180, but just in like terms of where Batman's moral compass lies. Even for mm. me as a Batman fan, that challenges you because like, well, do you side with Batman and where he is in his headspace in regards to where Superman is? Mm -hmm. That's a questionable thing. And and like, sure, you know, the fan of me is like, oh yeah, you know, Batman's going to take down Superman. But at the same time, like, really think about that. Like, really think about what that means. What are you implying when you say that? It's like, is is right. Batman right? in regards to what Superman, quote, has done, unquote, you know? And I think that question even more gets reinforced with Army of the Dead. It's like, you know, is everything they're doing, is it really worth it for all this money if at the end of the day it means they all might die or even become just like the dead that they're fighting? Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty easy to say what the magic of this movie specifically is. It's, it's pretty not hard to figure out. <laughs> it's without a doubt in my opinion probably absolutely Zack Snyder oh yeah without a doubt I mean it's his his vision his idea I mean his direction like it's that I don't know that thing like you know it's that thing that Christopher Nolan or whoever brings to their movies it's that thing Zack always brings to his movies a unique exponential point of view with an yes. impeccable eye for right. shot composition. Right. Just right. stellar. Yeah, yeah. The visuals for me are like... That's the one thing I love about just movie, Like, well, I guess about Zach's movies is the visuals, but just movies in general. It's like, I mean, like the vi good visuals in a movie, like just, I mean, they just like draw me in. Like even when there's nothing... I guess really going on at the moment if the scene visually looks great it's like I don't know it's like it 
it carries me over until something is happening, if that makes sense. Like, you can have a scene of just an open field or mm-hmm. the person staring off into, you know, the sunset or whatever like that, and if it visually looks good, like, it draws me in, and I like, those are the type of movies I want to see over and over. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about the ending of Army of the Dead right now, and it's like how that movie kind of comes to an end. Before Vanderbilt's miniature journey and how that movie really is, but, like, more specifically how you've got Kate, on her knees in the desert, and it's got that really slick sun, that sunset happening in the background. The army chopper comes down, and the dust is flaying everywhere. It's like, you're right, yeah. Like, there's just a certain level of magic there that you did, that is just impeccable to me mm-hmm. and to you, obviously. But, like, just... Right. I love that feeling. I do. So do I. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. it's hard to, like, unless it's someone like you or someone else who, like, really understands you know, visuals and cinematography and camera work in a movie. Like it's hard to explain like how good it feels to watch something like that. Like I was watching um, a couple of weeks ago, I was watching arrival with some oh, friends of mine that had so never seen it. And like they were, you know, they were like, you know, my, my friend, he was kind of doubting it at first because he saw Sicario and he was a big fan of it. Cause it's kind of slow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's Denise's style. You know, he's kind of, he likes to draw scenes out and, like let him breathe and take his time in movies, and l- there's a lot of that in Arrival. But like, I love it. Like the scene in Arrival, where it's kind of like a helicopter shot, and like you see the ship with the the clouds coming down the mountain, and then it shows like all the workers in the grass. Like nothing is said or really happening in that scene, but like it looks so visually like breathtaking. Like I can't stop looking at it. Like that's the type of stuff I like in a movie. Like, I don't care if a movie's slow or quick pace or whatever, but, like, if it if it visually looks good, like, I just, like, I like I won't be able to take my eyes off the movie. I remember watching Arrival not too long ago and feeling the same exact way you did. And just, mm-hmm. I remember the first time I watched it and just being absolutely just blown away. Denny Villeneuve is right. just an impeccable filmmaker in his own right, too. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, easily trust his movies are on on like a, a docket of things that i have for this show like uh, there are a yeah. lot of other movies that i'm planning on talking about but i did want to kick it off with army of the dead because it really does feel like you know if you're going to talk about you know magic of movies in particular like movies period mm-hmm. and we live in such a time where you know we're starting to adapt and watch movies in different ways like you know people are watching them on tablets we've got them on smartphones we've got them on you know even big screen tvs or even just Roku streaming devices, you know, it. I thought this probably the best time to, like, get started on a movie podcast because, you know, there's never enough time for more movie talk. Oh, exactly. No, it's a good, it's a good movie to kick it off with, man. If you're doing, if you're doing this one, I mean, there, I mean, there's just as much visual appreciation to break down in this movie as any. There's visuals, spectacle, there's heart, there's just, this movie really does have, like, a really nice blend of Again, everything. Right, right. Casting, direction, lighting, cinematography, just the whole nine. I just can't get enough of it. I can't wait for more. I can't either. I I can't wait to... I hope next time Zach is like on a podcast, or whatever he does, I hope he talks more about like just the process of lighting some of those things. Because some of those scenes were so like well-lit and, like, the camera angles on them were so good. I just, like, uh, I kind of hope he breaks it down some more because 
I'd love to get into his mind about that because some of them look so good. Like the scene, I don't know if you remember the scene where Dave Batista is on the phone and he's talking to Tanaka mm -hmm, and he mm -hmm. tells him he wants he wants to do the job. Yeah. And he's at his apartment sitting in the doorway and like outside is light, but like Dave Batista and all the apartment is like black. It looks so good. I remember seeing it like, I was like, okay, Zach, I see, I see why you wanted to do this yourself. Like, mm -hmm. you know what you're doing. Like, you know what you're doing. <laughs> I had a similar thought when it's the sh it's the shot of um, it's it's after it's after that it is I was having the same exact kind of thought and I was just lost my track because that's a really great shot and I'm stuck thinking about mm -hmm. it because it really is <laughs> it, it, you're right you're 100 percent right like the the way that shot comes together is just so well done I remember right. what I was gonna say now so if I had the chance to ask him I would ask him you know what was the most complex shot or sequence that he had to make but came out so well in the end mm. like that that would be my question to him if he, if he ever got the chance to ask it but like to your point yeah like the way that certain shots come together and the way that's the the light is you know that scene specifically that's a really great way that's a really great example of that and there's another example of it in um I would actually say when they're all meeting together right outside the quarantine zone for the first time mm -hmm. as they're packing up, getting ready to go in there and, and Vandero kind of gives uh, Rossi's a uh, character, the rundown of, of the business. Uh, right. Like all that was just really well done. It might've even been natural lighting. Cause they, when they, when I was watching the, uh, the making of documentary, they were talking about how they had their, their little like shooting village in, in Mexico city. Right. So I wonder if it was natural or if there were some, other lights up there but um oh you know what the sequence that just came to me i just remembered it now so i want to know like how like the sh the the whole glow sticks all of that that whole high entire glow stick sequence for oh yeah for a sequence that takes place majorly in the dark that was so greatly well done and i'm and i'm not yeah, even like really well done. like what I'm thinking of in comparison, and I'm not even like saying this as like a knock or negatively, but like I think about the Venom trailer and just how like really dark and muted almost virtually everything is in that trailer. And then I look at like that sequence in the Army of the Dead, you know, two completely different movies, two completely different genres, but just like lighting specifically, it is mm -hmm. amazing how in such a dark, damp place like that, you've got such colorful lights. Yeah, and no. yet you've got a movie here with two of the most intricate symbiotes ever created in comics. And one of them is supposed to be this really bright red and he just looks like a really dark crimson. It's like, ah, right, right. You know, <laughs> but that sequence, that's yeah. what I'm really curious about. It's like that whole, yeah that's, sequence. Good, yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good sequence. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Do you have any favorite kills or favorite sequences in this movie? Um, favorite kills, I would say, favorite kills, probably, I don't know what one specifically, but probably Samantha wins. Oh. Sequence, like, the, the death. from the, yeah, 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 like, when she's right out in the kitchen, and then, like, when she jumped through the glass, like, I kind of, like, I kind of cheered a little bit, like, internally. I was like, oh, she's going to make it. She's going to make it. And then when she died, like, the way she went out was just so, like, oh, my God, man. What, like, what a beast. 
Right. The way she was like such a beast. She just had this ferocity from like frame one when she like when Dillahunt's character, you know, when Martin tries to put the moves on her, she's just instantly like, uh uh-uh, uh, no. Like, right, right. I don't, I don't trust anyone here, and especially you. From that moment, like she was a standout character and like just perfect. And for someone right. who'd never killed zombies before, she held her own really good up until yeah, that point. Big time. Big time. And she was like, she was, uh, she was smart about it too. Like when she started stabbing them at first and yep. not just like shooting them, I was like, oh, she's smart. She's like, okay, if I just kill this one, I don't got to worry about the rest waking up. And she was taken out as many of us could, like with a knife for as long as she could until she had to. But yeah. Genius. Absolute genius. And then, um, Oh, there, yeah, there was one other. Uh, my favorite shot, actually, I had a similar kind of feeling with you with Chambers, but for my, for me, it was when Zeus comes down into the vault, and it, it's Vandero and Dieter, and they take out all the the runners, right? But then it's just it's Zeus and Vandero and Dieter, and then like Zeus takes his helmet off and hands off the, right. the spear to one of his underlings, and. Vandero drops his belt, and it's like I had that same moment. Like, oh, Vandero's gonna, oh, Vandero's gonna. <laughs> like, I had that same <laughs> same energy, man. I was like, oh, right. oh, <laughs> like I'm about to watch my boy do some business, but then like, yeah, oh, that was a hard sequence because then it, then it then I get then I get twisted. Damn you, Zack Snyder! Yeah. He does the twist of like <laughs> Dieter saving Vandero, and I was like, oh no. I was like, oh, man, not my boy Dieter. Their relationship was so good, by the oh, way. Oh, man. Randall and Dieter. I was not expecting them to, like... I, that caught me off guard how well they played off each other. That I love so their relationship. I lo- I, I'm right there with you. I thought they had such great chemistry in this movie. And, like, the turn of, like, respect that Vandero ended up having for Dieter. Like, because, like, when he first meets him, he's like, who is this clown? Like, why we got this dude here <laughs> yeah. with us? Like, what is this guy going to do? And then, like, towards the end, he's like, when he starts talking to him about time and, like, philosophy, and he's like, Vandero's like, okay. He's like, I see where you're coming from. Like, I was I was wrong about you. And then when everyone else comes down and Scott starts, you know, talking and, and Vandero, like, rips his headset off and he's like, shh, shh, like, like he's, he's on Dieter's side now. He's like, let the man work. <laughs> it's a, it's a total change of not even position, but like you know, they both were there to do a certain job, and when time came to do their jobs, they did their jobs. Right. Yep. Yep. Oh man, I just I just I really do love that movie. I love this movie. Yeah, so do I. I can't wait to watch it. Again. I, yeah. I I can't wait to see where everyone else goes from this movie. Mm-hmm. And who goes where and who gets what in in Wake. Right. Right, right. But yeah, that was that was Army of the Dead, and it, I think it did it get an extended run in theaters. Is, is it still going, or did they? Pull I heard it? something about that. I didn't see it. I don't know if I don't know where. I, I checked mine. I didn't see it anywhere on mine. I thought someone said it might get one, but hmm, I don't know. I thought I, th- I thought I saw someone say the same thing, but I, I haven't seen it confirmed anywhere. But it is on Netflix, streaming there as long, also along with the um, the making of documentary too. So, yeah. all in all, it's going to be a franchise winner, most certainly. I, I would imagine it's going to be. Oh. I mean, shit. oh yeah, absolute win, absolute win. 
Big old W for our guy, Mr. Zack Snyder. Big W, yeah. David, thank you so much, man. This has been nothing short of an impeccable, fun conversation talking about a brand new movie that has graced our screens in times of, you know, we're, we are really starting to come out of the shit, given the, mm-hmm. you know, how awful this last year and a half or so has been. Yeah. Oh, yeah, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Always fun talking movies with you. I will absolutely. You're probably going to be asked to be on a lot more often if you're game for it. Hey, man, just let me know. I'm here. I got you. Yeah. Thanks again, man. And where can people find you, follow you along, follow along with the Lion Pack on Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can catch me. I stream daily on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash OhioDave. And the best place to follow me if you want to is on Twitter, at OhioDave with two E's. And oh, yeah. And Dave's really great at Rocket League. Fantastic COD player, just an all-around nice guy. Always has just an infectious, welcoming energy anytime he streams. It's never anything vengeful or negative, and, and it's always a great time. So, thank you for for, for having me on the uh, on those streams. Like, or you know, oh yeah, I appreciate you being there. It's always a fun time, man. It's always so great having like being a part of line pack and like having those interactions with like Nathan and Bex and Janet, everyone just like, even talking about the movies, like everything's just been so much. It's been a lot of fun just the past year. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the thing. I always, I guess the vibe I've always kind of gone for in my, on my Twitch channel is kind of like, you know, when people watch a movie, it kind of shuts your mind off. And for those few hours you're watching it, all you care about is the movie. So, Hopefully, no matter what anyone is going through on their day, like if they come to my channel, I kind of want them to just shut their mind off and just enjoy the entertainment there. So, I can't. I appreciate count. you having there. Man. Oh yeah, man. I can't count how many times I've had because you know I used to work. I used to work at a call center, and it would just be like really taxing on me emotionally. But then I'd just hop on your stream, mm-hmm. and there'd just be nothing but great times. Barnum. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. So yeah, this was Army of the Dead, first episode in the can of the Magic of Movies podcast. We will be back. Um, I'm not really sure what the next movie is. I'm thinking it's probably going to be Blade Runner or Blade Runner 2049. But in the meantime, you can follow this show um, on Twitter, Magic Movies Pod. You can also just uh, leave us a message at the Magic of Movies Pod. No, sorry. Movie Magic Podcast at gmail.com for any questions and yeah, that, that, that'll be that'll be it. So stay tuned for more follows and updates. Take it easy. Stay safe. Wear your masks. Have a great day or night. Thanks for listening. Have a great one. Enjoy. Well, that is amazing. Honestly, how do you ladies make that in that little kitchen back there? It's like magic. Voila. <laughs> oh, we, should, we should make a toast. Oh, you know what? We can't. We're working. No, no, no. Just one... One glass, one toast. Will make one happy man. Mean a lot to me. What the hell? Let's do it. That's the spirit. <laughs> to quote the great Joseph Campbell, he said, it is by going down into the abyss where we recover the treasures of life. Where you stumble, there lies your treasure. To the ironic twist of the unknown. Bottoms up. Cheers. Cheers. Oh. Nice. Mm. <gasps> all right, all right. Let's sit back down there. There we go. Okay. Here, take these.
The Magic of Movies podcast is not owned or affiliated with any major entertainment studio, network, or entity. The opinions shared by those involved do not reflect the establishments those involved work for or happen to be talking about. If you would like to get in touch, make suggestions, or share your own experiences, feel free to leave us a message at moviemagicpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.